Well, if you're into political intrigue these days, specifically battles for leadership, this is a good time. In conservative political circles, there's been a lot of fighting going on from the early sniping in the federal conservative leadership race to a win or go home battle heating up for the leadership of the United Conservative Party in Alberta. Newly elected or newly re-elected MLA and former Wild Rose Party leader and UCP MLA Brian Jean promptly declared his goal to oust the leader of his own party immediately after winning and before winning um, Fort McMurray Lac Labiche in a by-election landslide win earlier this week. So he wants to get rid of Jason Kenney, his boss, well, technically his boss. Uh, and he wants to do that pretty quick by April. There's a vote on April 9th. UCP members will vote in person on whether Kenny should stay on as leader. If Kenny receives less than half the votes, a leadership race must be called. Gene, for his part, says that Kenny has broken faith with grassroots members of the party and with Albertans and must be replaced or face losing to the NDP, presumably, in the next election. Here's Brian Gene. But they're not just electing me to represent them. They are also electing me to renew the UCP party, to get people out on April 9th, which means they've only got three days left to buy a membership. Well, joining me now to talk about all of it is Tristan Hopper of the National Post. Tristan, always great to have you. How have you been? Very good. Thank you. You know, just because I like politics, I find this to be such a fascinating thing unfolding in Alberta between Brian Jean and, and Jason Kenney. They clearly do not like each other. This is a subject you know well. Tell me a bit about it. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever, uh, whatever is happening in, you know, BC politics or Ontario politics, there's always a much more interesting version of it happening in Alberta. I mean, there's a reason why when you look at the federal level, it's disproportionately filled with Albertans and Quebecers, because in Alberta and Quebec, uh, people are much better at being politicians, and that means they're much more competitive when it comes to who gets to be in charge. So, uh, yeah, just the fact that you have um, Brian Jean has always been this kind of, uh, I mean, going back to uh, he's the leader of the Wild of Wild Rose. Uh, you know, he's thinking, you know, I'm I'm the big conservative dog here in Alberta. And then Jason Kenney parachutes in from his federal job and says, no, I'm going to re you know, rejigger and, you know, uh, unite the conservative parties and sort of shut out the Brian Jean types. And then I'm going to be the one in charge. So he's just sort of, you know, been dwelling in the wilderness, uh, waiting, you know, he's sort of like a Hannibal, you know, waiting for his chance to actually attempt to defeat uh, Jason Kenney. So uh, just the fact that you've had this uh, rival, I don't know how what they think about each other personally. I imagine it's not great. Uh, but uh, yeah, just the fact that you have Brian Dean has always sort of been in the background, never too far away from uh, a not tremendously positive comment uh, towards Jason Kenney. And then just imagine how awkward that is. You show up to a caucus meeting and then there's the guy who got elected specifically to try and you know destroy you and end your career. And you have to, oh, welcome to the caucus there, Brian. I saw a quote uh, from Brian Jean that said, I got a tweet the other day, but I haven't talked to him in years, if that gives you any idea of what mm-hmm. kind of relationship they have right now. Yes. So, I mean, given that, there looks to be, and there's been some reporting today about sort of desperation in the Kenny camp, calling out for volunteers. Could this be the end of Jason Kenny at the hands of his own party in a matter of weeks? Uh, you know, maybe for now, but I mean, he's, he's more conniving um, than Brian Jean. You know, Brian Jean and Jason Kenney both have very long-term visions of how to hold, you know, attain and hold power. Um, so I, I don't know. If, if, if for whatever reason Jason Kenney got shunted out, I wouldn't say that's the end of him. He'll, 
you know, emerge and some other uh, comeback. So there's a lot of people in politics who are just kind of not tremendously smart, but they're popular and friends around them sort of force them into it. I've had plenty of meetings with just ministers or whatever. And then, th- you know, three questions in the meeting, you're like, oh, you have no idea what's going on whatsoever. And other people tell you what to say. Um, I would say Jason Kenney and not, not quite so sure on Brian Jean, but Jason Kenney is one of the most forward thinking and, you know, scarily politically smart uh, people. And anybody who's sort of interacted with him knows this. Uh, so he always has his eyes, um, you know, three, four. He doesn't really have, uh, he's not married. He doesn't have uh, a family. He doesn't have tremendously large hobbies uh, getting in his way. So as a result, he can just think about politics all of the time. So he's usually a lot better at it than anybody who tries to uh, rival him. So we'll see if that includes Brian Jean. I do remember my days interviewing Jason Kenney back in Ottawa when he was part of the Harper government. There was certainly no one harder working uh, than than Jason Kenney. Uh, and, and even back then, certainly someone that didn't seem to be at least palling around with other members of the uh, of the Conservative caucus much. Uh, a hardworking guy who's, you're right, he seemed to be laser focused on one thing and one thing only. I hate that word laser focus. Sorry for using it. Yeah, um, yeah. If you've got, uh, you know, you like your you like your drinks, you like sleeping in, you like your mistresses, that's all time when Jason Kenney is in the parliamentary library. So that's exactly get you. Uh, I mean, just looking at, at, at the landscape now, do you think the UCP is in real trouble here if, if in fact, Jason Kenney stays on heading into an election against uh, against Rachel Notley? Ooh, I don't know. Yeah, it is. It is interesting to see uh, his approval ratings have been just rock bottom. Uh, and it's, you know, it, I mean, that might change. I mean, you, you have I mean, when the progressive conservatives were in charge of Alberta for what, 43 years or something you did have periods where it looked like they were going to be shunted out of power and albertans were going to vote in a liberal government so um i mean a change is that the oil market has obviously turned around and everybody in alberta is suddenly extremely rich um and there's lots of money coming in and they have a balanced budget so um I, i i cannot stress how much that changes just the character of albertans when you know suddenly there's another oil boom happening so I think that's a lot of the reason you had for years, there was a lot of progressive conservative governments that were really incompetent and awful. Um, but if it's boom times, you don't really care who's running things. Um, it's sort of the, you know, Saudi Arabia theory of governance. Oh, okay. Yeah, sure. They're corrupt, but we're all rich and they just keep giving us money. So who cares? Um, so uh, I don't know. Uh, they hated Jason Kenney. Uh, they really didn't like, uh, nobody liked him on, on COVID, but if everyone's employed and there's an oil boom, that might change. Oh, there's certainly not a baby in my Tristan, it's, 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 Tristan, it's awesome to hear another young hopper who wants to get in on this conversation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's, she's yelling at her toys, um, trying to boss around her, her plushies. A chip off the old block. Mm-hmm. I'll let you yell some more, too, if you'd like. I wanted to switch up. Speaking of places that Jason Kenney may or may not end up if this all goes south for him um, in Alberta, there is, of course, a conservative hey. leadership race going on. Oh, yeah. And it, and it has been fascinatingly nasty already at the beginning. Mm-hmm. I want to play yeah. just a few, a little bit, just share with you a little bit of Pierre Polivare and uh, Patrick Brown, some of their greatest hits from this week. Let's start with Pierre. Look at those prices over there, a buck seventy-six a liter, and they couldn't go higher yet. The irony is that some politicians want high gas prices 
It's not an accident. It's their policy objective. Liberal Premier uh, Jean Charest brought in a carbon tax, a fuel tax, and higher sales taxes on gasoline in the province of Quebec. He's got a coalition pack, a secret deal with Patrick Brown, who after claiming he was against a carbon tax, flip-flopped and came out in favor of one. They're just like Justin Trudeau. They want higher gas prices on consumers. I take the opposite approach. I realize that gasoline is a basic necessity. Pierre, well, you know, that's that's quite the opening salvo against your rivals to essentially equate them with the prime minister, the man most hated by most people, I presume, in this race. And uh, oh, yeah, there's going to be a lot of uh, a lot of conservatives calling other conservatives liberals, you know, the worst possible uh, insult among, among Tories. So, uh, yeah, I've kidding. certainly seen a lot of that. Oh, there's, there's not. No, no, no. Toy, if I pick the, her up, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. Oh, don't worry. Yeah, the, the toys He's must cheating. have yelled back. The toys yeah. must have yelled back too. Um, but it's good. You know, speaking of yelling, it's it's going to be an interesting campaign because the way that Polyev has gone right after uh, both Sheree and Patrick Brown um, suggests that there's going to be a bit of a scorched earth policy in this one. Is that your sense? I mean, what's going on? Oh, oh yeah, yeah. That's definitely um, uh, it's it's the nastiest um, I, I, of any party I can think of of, of the last uh, ten or twenty years, or you know, in in modern memory. Um, usually you try and maintain some level of civility. So um, I've heard the argument, and I'm compelled by it. Uh, Chris Selly, who I work with at the National Post, uh, was saying, well, maybe there should be a scorched earth because, uh, you know, they keep having leadership elections and then they get a leader nobody can really agree on. So there's a lot of sort of unanswered questions in the Conservative Party. I mean, uh, he, his example was, you know, if anybody's standing for religious freedom, you would assume it would be the Conservative Party of Canada. And then uh, bill 21, that's the Quebec bill, in which uh, right. you can't be a government uh, civil servant if you're wearing religious head coverings. Uh, that comes up, and a lot of the Tory party during the last election, like, well, you know, who are we to judge in Quebec? And then Philly was pointing out, uh, well, if you're going to stand for religious freedom, um, it seems like you should take a stand on that, whether it's unpopular or not. So I think there's a fair amount of conservatives who issues like that keep coming up. It's like, oh, obviously. Obviously, we're going to take a stand on this or supply management or, or, you know, taxes or something. And that never happens. So I think there's just a lot of, uh, you know what, let's just go full blown, vicious civil war. And then we'll see who's left at the end of this. And then, uh, I mean, as we know, every once in a while, conservative parties in Canada uh, hate each other so badly they split for, you know, a decade or 15 years or something. So I don't think it's unreasonable to say that if Jean Charest uh, won, um, you get a bunch of reform party types um, in Alberta who say, well, the hell with this party. And then we have another split, uh, just just like happened in Alberta. We were just talking about the Wild Rose. So uh, yeah. that is something that does happen. And it probably would happen if you get someone like Jean Charest. Um, because, again, he's the standard bearer of the Progressive Conservative Party. Um, most people in the modern Conservative Party have devoted their entire lives and have sworn blood oaths to destroying the party of Brian Mulroney. Um, so when basically this living totem of that tries to run for their party after never having been a member of their party or showing up during their conventions or having nothing to do with them for the past 25 years. Uh, yeah. You're going to reopen some, some bad blood that may not even be based on policy at a certain point. This is just uh, internecine rivalry. This is something that came up yeah. in Alberta a lot. The wild rose wasn't actually that much different from the progressive conservatives on a lot of points, but at a certain point, 
you just hate them because, you know, your neighbor's friend stopped showing up to, you know, <clears throat> some particular party thing and tried to vote you out of your seat. So at a certain point, it's just you resent uh, yeah. that you've had to battle for power with these people. Yeah, it's Leafs, Flames, Habs. Sorry, it's yeah, Oilers, yeah. Flames, Habs, Leafs, et cetera, et cetera. We'll take a quick break. When we come back, um, I was going to talk a bit about Patrick Brown and some of the right. You've already talked about it a bit. Uh, we'll get to that. Tristan Hopper, The National Post. Stick with us. Speaking with Tristan Hopper, The National Post, we were talking about the UCP, a political fight going on in Alberta for leadership of the UCP, or at least for Jason Kenney's future leadership of the UCP, the conservative, federal conservative party race here in Canada getting nasty. Let's touch on some good stuff, though, because I, I had a laugh this week, Tristan, because Bill Browder, who you may know, is kind of a well-known financier, the guy who championed the Magnitsky Act. When mm. Botox when Botox announced that they were pulling out of Russia, he said, oh, there's a great way to get back at the mistresses. And I thought, I, I, forget the mistresses. Putin looks like he's had some work done. And I've thought that. Oh, years, yes, he I've has. Had to, um, I've, had yeah, to, yeah. I've had to watch him a lot. I've had to watch him a lot over the years. Thought, he doesn't, that doesn't look natural. And then you went out and wrote an article about it. So I was fascinated. What did you find about Vlad's face? So this was in uh, 2017. So uh, before he became, you know, neo-Hitler, um, he was just a regular evil autocrat back then. Um, but uh, yeah, I was I was asking a plastic surgeon, and I assumed plastic surgeons had some kind of you know code of omerta, uh, where like oh, well, nobody gets work done. What are you talking about? I don't recognize anything there. But I asked them, and they said, oh yeah, yeah. I, they, I sent them pictures. Here he is in 1999. Here he is now. And they were saying, oh, yeah, he's getting injections, he's getting, uh, you know, none of the procedures actually require him to go under the knife. So he's just getting sort of injections and laser treatment, but they're saying he's absolutely getting something done. Um, because you do look at pictures of him, um, he's been president of Russia forever, uh, since 1999, so he doesn't um, really seem to age. He's certainly not getting any wrinkles. Compared to, like, your average U.S. president, they age dramatically in, you know, especially the yeah. two terms or... I mean, Harper went from uh, a young man with brown hair to an old man with gray hair. Stephen Harper. Uh, yeah. even we're, we're, we're aging Trudeau terribly. So it's weird that it didn't happen to Putin. And the answer is plastic surgery, lots of it. Yeah, we could go back. Interesting. I just thought it was funny that I, that you put that article back up on Twitter. Speaking and of he Twitter, needs treatments go- every two months. So this actually could start yielding uh, different, uh, a different appearance uh, for Putin as you- a result. But I, I mean, he, he, could certainly, he's a yeah. he has a way of getting Botox, I imagine. I'm sure he does. He must. He must. <laughs> you did post something interesting about, I mean, we all watched, I think, Vladimir Zelensky's speech to Parliament on uh, on yep. Tuesday and then again to Congress. I, I, I was interesting how you posted about sort of the the effusiveness of the reaction to uh, to his words on Tuesday, but perhaps the lack of um, of deliverables compared to, say, what the Americans ponied up the very next day after he spoke to them. Oh, yeah. So he spoke to Canada. And I, I, I did a recent story just about what we've sent to Ukraine so far. So we've sent some things. We sent 4,500, you know, shoulder mounted, uh, unguided uh, rockets, which, you know, isn't bad. It's great for taking out Russian convoys. But we haven't sent a lot. I mean, a lot of our shipments have really legitimately looked like the Canadian Armed Forces just sent a guy into a warehouse with a clipboard and said, just find whatever. We need $7 million of something to send to Ukraine so we can tell them we're sending stuff. So we're sending really random plane loads of stuff like, oh, here's a few machine guns and here's some extra food we had lying around. These some grenades we don't need anymore. Um, so 
I mean, we're helping, but not tremendously well. Uh, so anyway, Zelensky speaks to the House of Commons, and we've basically given him all the extra weaponry we're having lying around. So most of it is 70s era. It's not great stuff. And then the next day, he speaks to the U.S. Congress, and they immediately vote him several billion dollars worth of uh, arms. And it's all great stuff. These are missiles that you fire, and they lock in and destroy a tank from above, or stinger missiles that go up and you know, lock onto planes and blow them up. Or the, the one everybody that was getting all the attention was the switchblade drone. This is right. pretty small. It's right. just in a backpack. You put it on the ground and you just sort of shoot it out like a mortar. And then wings pop out of it. It flies for 50 miles. And then it kind of kamikazes itself into whatever you decide wants to not be there anymore. Um, so that stuff is awesome. So, yeah, he gave the same speech. He put the same amount of effort. But when he spoke to Canada, he got no extra stuff. And then he got some long speech from Elizabeth May about how we should invent peacekeeping again or something. And then, so, yeah, obviously speak to the Americans because you're going to get a bunch of weird switchblade kamikaze drones. Your line was, uh, hang in there. Have you ever heard of Lester Pearson, which I thought was pretty Yes, yeah, the Lester Pearson was brought up at least once by Elizabeth May. We seem to bring him up whenever something international. That was 70 years ago. Um, so maybe we should find something, someone else to mention or just be comfortable in the fact that we haven't accomplished anything international in seven years. With my last two minutes, did you watch any of that rally today in Moscow? Oh, no, I, I missed that. There was a rally. Oh, it. I, I imagine. Oh, this is the, the pro-war rally. The pro-war no rally. No one is compelled, the, and that's all just organic. Yeah, yeah. We all just showed up because why wouldn't we on a, you know, Friday afternoon uh, in Moscow? So they had some musical performances. And one of them was a guy named Oleg Gazamonov, who they often refer to as the Russian Springsteen. But if you can think back long enough, I don't know if you're old enough to remember Hulk Hogan's I'm a Real American. It's sort of his music sounds more like that than than Springsteen. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so, so some pretty bad stuff. So we got going on what's the best Bruce Springsteen cover song. And I don't know if that's a bit of a trick one or... Um, so I wanted to give you that if you if you have anything to add. There is. Uh, there's an obscure video. You can find it online. I forget. I don't know what show it was, but it was this Japanese like variety show. And they had someone showed up in whiteface. Uh, so this was a Japanese actor dressed up as Bruce Springsteen and doing like an impression, a, a Japanese perspective of what a Springsteen impression would look like. So I don't know if that counts as a cover song, but it's magnificent. Uh, I mean, just, just to watch it, it's uh, there, there's so many layers of you know discomfort and awkwardness that uh, one of my favorites online. Tristan, not only does it qualify, it uh, it beats the rest of them. So I congratulate okay. you on this Very Friday good. night. Thanks for having, thanks for you and having getting to hear your daughter too. I hope she's uh, I hope she and her toys have reconciled. Uh, the politics um, has put her to sleep, so that's fine. <laughs> Doesn't it always, Tristan Hopper? Thank you so much. Have a great weekend. You too. Thank you.